Sit your ass Sit your down. Ass down. Sit your ass Sit down. down. Let's talk about, talk the, about suffering. the suffering. It's time to start the pain. The pain. Sit your ass Sit down. Your ass down. run through our lives searching for meaning. There is a serenity in finding a place in this world. Going job to job or lifestyle to lifestyle, we never really reach that type of peace and purpose that everyone is searching for. You'll find people saying, I know I'm meant for something more. That's often because they're in a wrong current situation. That situation is comfort, and often comfort will slowly kill you. Those that are lucky enough to find a purpose in life, they become fulfilled happier, and much more pleasant to be near. We look up to these people, hoping to grab onto what they found, the secret sauce that makes their life worth living. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and we're back with another episode of The Suffering Podcast. Today we sit down and we bring back one of our oldest and dearest friends, the hurricane himself, <laughs> Mike De Palma, is in studio. Mike, thanks so much. It's great, man. It's awesome to see you. It's really, really good to be and here. And Mike, did you yeah. notice that Kevin doesn't read the intros live anymore? I mean, that's, that's <laughs> I, I, I do I, get it. I, yeah, I, yeah, I actually like well, it. Well, I think during Mike's original episode, which was like episode 13, if I'm mistaken, you read the episode. Yes, I you did. You read the opening. And I got through it without a hitch. Oh, without a hitch. It was about 10,000 ums and ahs. Don't, oh, don't believe the editing, buddy. Quiet. Before we get to anything, I want to thank our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. If you're looking for a car, they, let them help you find a car. Go to toyotahackensack.com. I buy my cars there because they're the one few car dealers that I trust. They treat you right. They treat you like somebody special. You're not just a number that walks in the door. So go to toyotahackensack.com. Also, don't forget to, to visit belladamacigars.com. Put in the code SUFFERING10 for a 10% discount. Chantel has been one of our most avid advocates. And she continues to do so. So go support her because she supports us. And tell Chantel we said hi when you call her. <laughs> so Mike De Palma. Oh, it's so great to see you, brother. The, great to see the, you guys. The, Mike De Palma. The, I, miss, I miss you guys. The Hurricane yeah, Mike take, himself. We missed you too, but we'll take better aim next time. <laughs> I, I had a few hurricanes after, you know, just just little ones. Before we get into any, because it's going to be nuts. It's, yeah. it's, it's I've already prepared for it. Let's get into this week's social media question. And this one comes from Susan. It says, have you ever come across anyone you believe should have never been a cop? Mike, you're our guest today. So I want to lay this one off on you. You worked in an inner city department of Hoboken, and I'm sure you've seen you, you know, throughout your whole career, you've seen many come and go. What do you think? You, you, I'm sure you've seen people that have, should have never been cops. Is that correct? True. All right. What do you think the characteristics of somebody who- You're probably, asking one. Yeah. <laughs> people said that about Mike. <laughs> Stop that now. What do you think the characteristics of somebody who should never be a cop is? Because Susan, this is this is kind of a general question, but I pulled this- because we're doing the suffering of police today. And um, every, we've all seen people who should never been cops, but I want to talk about characteristics. What do you think of characteristics of somebody who should have never got the job? I, I would say being on the street and watching somebody for the first time and, you know, everybody has an instinct. You could tell somebody who just didn't really care, you know, for what was going on or anything around them. You could, I think it's just first encounter. You could just tell. I think every every police officer, whether you're new, whether you're older, you can you can just tell somebody's personality. It's the situational awareness that seems to break down when you see these these young guys. Mike, you you've had a long career, and you've seen them come and go, and you've seen people at the beginning of their career in the academy when you taught there. What do you think are some of the characteristics of somebody who should never be a cop? You know, I think one of the main things of being a, a, a good cop is street smarts. Yeah. You know, like you said, situational awareness. I mean, you're getting these kids 
that are, are getting out of college and this is their first job. They got no world experience, you know, and the only reason they're getting it is because of entitlement. Right. You know, daddy has some pull with the, the mayor or something like that. So these, these guys are got, getting out of college and thinking this is the real world and they don't even know the real world yet. You know, uh, I mean, we have guys who, you know, it'd be five minutes before your shift's over and you get that alarm call, of course, on the furthest end of town you <laughs> and you send them down there. It's like, Oh, you know, I can't believe I got to go out. You shut up and do the job. Take your overtime. You're making thirty grand. I mean, well, the, then the square wheels kick in, and <laughs> yeah, oh god, the square wheels. Yeah, you're right. It, it really just cracks me up that these they really take the job for granted. You know, I know you need a college education to get the job now, and I think that is mainly because you used to be able to be able to get the job at 18 years old. Now, with college education, you have to be at least 21, 22. Well, the 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 criteria has changed the way the job is done. You've read some of these old-timer reports, handwritten reports and yeah. stuff. It's like, yeah, I went here, and I talked to the lady, and everything's fine. And that was their report. Our guys used to just put, like, medical call, give the address, transport it to this hospital. That right. was it. For me, it's pretty simple. I, I, I think there's there's a couple different people that become cops. Some of them, it's it's just a job. It's just, And that's honestly why I got the job. It was just a job. I found out quickly it was more than just a job. But then there's the people who got shoved in lockers as high school in their in high school and they get a little bit of power and they get power hungry. We've all seen that throughout the, throughout our careers that people who get power hungry and they abuse the shit out of that power and they, they hide behind the gun and the badge and you watch them in the, in the public, they treat the public like shit. And then there's the situational awareness where you just, you're oblivious to everything. I remember a, a new officer came in and he stopped the car and we had to back up the new officers on every stop. And I, he goes up to the car and he puts his, fingers his hands on the door jam with the the windows only halfway down he goes like this and he's halfway in the car i go what are you doing what's i pull him back i said you know not in front of the people i said what are you doing he goes well if they roll their window up and you're halfway in the car guess what you're going for a ride whether you want to or not so it's instinct it's you gotta you gotta drop your ego you gotta release that power trip and those are the people i don't think should ever be a cop and there's there's plenty of them out there because we all need hooks to get in let's give everybody a little insight on how people get the job and it, it's not an un, uncommon thing for me to hey mike who's your hook i already know i we've talked about it i know your hook. who's your hook so explain to everybody what a hook is a hook is somebody that pretty much pushes for you whether it's higher ranking whether it's you know political so forth and so on you benefactor know. right you'd never go somebody <laughs> to somebody in a corporate world and say hey who's your hook it just, it's, it's kind of, it's just not done. I'll tell you a great story about that. When I first uh, came on the job, there was a, a lieutenant that lived across the street from me growing up, you know? So he saw me in my little fun and crazy little world I was in, you know, on the block and something came about and that actual word was used and they go, this guy's got a big hook here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And that big hook was the chief of police, you know, so it's, you know, but in where, you know, in a city, Hoboken, we still had to take a test, you know, and prior to that, I was military. So, you know, it was just, uh, it was a common thing used, but there's a lot of people that were in your same situation without that hook, without that hook. And here's the value of a hook. The value of a hook is you're coming in basically on their name. So they're not going to want anybody in who's a bonehead. Those days are going away, and I think that might be some of the problem. Well, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about, like, nepotism and all that. Yeah. You know, is it right? No. Is it wrong? Not totally. Not totally. You know what you're getting. Yeah. You know, you got a kid whose father's been a cop, and a kid's been hanging around a cop's his whole life, you know, especially, like, small town like Linners. You know, you knew the kid growing up. You know, you knew what he was all about. You knew what he was doing, and, you know, so sometimes it's good to actually know the person, but because you know right from the get-go what you're getting. And they've been yep. schooled. They've been schooled behind the scenes. I had a, I, I work with a kid, and I worked with his father for a sh very short time before he retired. And I remember his father telling him, he told me this. He says, if you got to go talk to somebody, talk to me. Don't talk to any, don't, don't tell anybody your problems inside the police mm -hmm. department, which we all are very guilty of. But that, that was some old school schooling. You know, and those things are going away. I watch people where I work now because I still am involved with a lot of the local police they don't want to take road jobs anymore. Like road jobs are good money. <laughs> There's your entitlement. Yeah. There's your entitlement. Exactly. 
But you know those those types of people. There's lots of different ways to get the job. So let's discuss uh, the the different ways you can get that job. Of course, there's your hook. What are some different ways that you know of? Well, you, even even with a even with a hook, if it's a civil service exam, that you know, there's really nothing. You know that. Yeah, but be they done. have the they have the one in three with civil service too. Well, right. So but, if and, someone comes out number four, that happens to be related to the chief. Right. They're going to oh, skip someone one in three. Agree. Agree. And even my my situation. I think I was number 77 on, on the civil service exam. You know, at the time I wasn't a veteran, so it went all the way down there. So you could see, you know, people were being eliminated, you know, and they actually got to me and Nikki Burke. We were both back to back. So yeah. let's get back. To I the, love Nikki Burke. <laughs> let's get back to the social media question. People who shouldn't have gotten Wait, a job. You know, you know what? Wait a minute. I, I just thought about some of that social media. I don't want to keep on going back, but Mike made a good point. You know, he made Lynnhurst. No, you, you growing up in the town you work in, you see what's there. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So that's, that's another way you could say, Hey, this guy might not be a good cop, but not in all situations. You know, some, some people just become great cops, you know, but in Mike's case, he was just very good at filleting. Filleting. (laughs) I just, that's a big word for him. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I just want to listen. No translator here. How am I doing? Am I I doing good right now? I got, well, I I had to dust off my De Palma dictionary. (laughs) So I'm good. For those of you who will have subtitles in English for Mike De Palma, Andrew's got a a Hudson County interpreter. Just so Andrew knows what's going on. So whenever you hear the term water, like caffeine water, I know this is. Black cherry caffeine. It's actually great. The, the mango is really good too. Listen, yeah. Ron. Ron uh, owns uh, from Mickey's Pub. We've been there. We've yeah. hung out there. Hey, you got the Mickey's on. I was I was going to wear mine. Thank God I didn't. I looked like a schmuck wearing a red shirt on the podcast. Because you, you wouldn't look as good as me. But go ahead. <laughs> so Ron, Ron's always been on our side. Uh, I just want to give a big shout out and thank you to Caffeina. Um, but there's, I, I joke when I say filleting, which is. <laughs> Getting on your knees, and I used to call them promotion pads. So when every time you got a promotion, that's that's some thicker knee pads. Kevin is well schooled in filleting. <laughs> it was so good for you. They they kind of fashioned your name out of it, right? I made it to lieutenant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Does <laughs> it take a lot thing. of duck butter in his mouth for that one? <laughs> How'd you know my chief's last name? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. But th- this is this is part of the job. It's part of laughing and being able to to interact with your other officers. And we joke around a lot, and you, everybody sees that we joke around a lot. But there are some people who come in this job who think that they're like Mister Clean, and they're not going to joke around, and they never really get it. They never really get it. And those are the people that usually burn out very quickly. Oh, without a doubt. I yeah. mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna eat this job and you're gonna take everything home with you, you know, you have to have a, some kind of way of releasing it you know we, we call it all the time we, you know fill in the glass you know if yeah. you keep if that glass keeps getting filled and gets getting filled and and you don't have a way of decompressing i mean it, the job's going to eat you up it's funny you bring 100%. that up because in the intro which you two are not privy to yet because i'm going to hide that from both of you i talk about how everybody's given a glass in the beginning of their life and that glass is used to fill only a certain amount of shit and police officers glass are built no differently than everybody else's but if we don't release it, it will eventually spill over. Did you bring up the prairie fire too, you know. No, but I hashtag prairie fire. <laughs> I do hashtag. So listen, for those of you out there, I want you to make a comment. I want you to hashtag prairie fire and hashtag real Kevin Donaldson, and I will get back to you. I promise you, I will get back to you. Hashtag episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> you, have I got to get up to date with these hashtag <laughs> things. Like, I, you guys are doing it to me again. You know, really, listen, no, you're he, really confusing he me. me all the time. He's like, you got to hashtag this. I don't even know what a hashtag is. It's that number sign thing. I don't. I couldn't tell you what they do, but I know you got to do it. That's all I got. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> We say hashtag this. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Hurricane Mike. Hashtag keep suffering. I remember. I was actually excited when you used to do that. Hashtag keep suffering. I, so I do I hashtag that, yes. Yeah. So hashtag right. is just a little buzzword. Get the word out there. So if somebody searches by keyword, they can find your stuff. That's, that's what it is. But um, so we joke around a lot, but there's a lot of different reasons, especially there's 
diversity in this room as far as why we took this job. And there's diversity across the country why people take their job. There's some people who take it for just a job. Some people have a calling. Some people are forced into the job through nepotism. Are there any other ways that you know or any other reasons why you think people take this job? Dead silence. I, w- I was going to say, you know, a lot, a lot of guys are like, like glory seekers, you know, they, they yeah. you know, they, they see the shiny uniform and, you know, they think they're going to go out and impress people. And, and these are the guys that get jammed up because they're yeah. the guys that just get out of the academy. They go into a bar and they got the gun strapped to their hip in the bar mm-hmm. just to show that they're a cop. But, you know, look at me, I'm a cop now, you know, God, when I, I got I, one, it was I, fanny packs. Yeah. I still got one. I, I loved, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved, but why did you become a cop? He got fired from Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> they made him take no, a test. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I passed that test. Uh, I, I, uh, I guess the, I, you know, I started in the military, and it was kind of similar to that. And you know, it was my community—not my community, but I, I, I was born and raised there. I lived there. I kind of loved it. And you're a Hoboken staple too. Well, I mean, I mean, is you know, it's there was you and Stewie, and that's it. <laughs> no, no, it's Stewie. a unique town, and you know, it's it's a great town and supportive. And I don't know, I just, I don't know, I I, I really loved it. I loved it, and you know, unfortunately, as the years went on, and I don't know if everybody experienced it, it just, it it wasn't fun anymore. You know, like the, I used to, every single day, I used to love it. You know, 20 years never took off. I loved, like, you know, smiling. It, it just, you know, and, and, you know, things happened at the end of my career, but it didn't change, you know, what I did in the police officer I was. You know, I, I, I enjoy, I really enjoyed it. Well, you know, I mean, and that's, that's really the difference between like a, a good cop and a bad cop. You know, you got to thoroughly enjoy what you do. I loved it. You yeah. know, I mean, me, me and Kevin were talking a couple weeks ago about, you know, Oh, they send you on this job, you know, because every, every call is called a job. My whole career, I never considered this a job. I considered this something I love to do. You know, I, I don't, I can't remember one time in my career where I dreaded going to work that day. I mean, Me obviously, if you have Even something the to do. Even chief for a blowjob, he, well, he was all in. He was very <laughs> happy to do it. Andrew, see where this is going? <laughs> It's going to be a lot of Hashtag really bad. this, all right? Hashtag blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your picture will come up. Oh, you! I mean, you could tell, you know, both you guys. I mean, it, it was, I, I, I loved to do it. I laughed. Like, I loved it. I laughed more than I've ever laughed. I've cried. Uh-huh. You know, I've taken the job home with me. But when I originally took the job, it was, a, it was an offer. It wasn't a calling. I took, I took one police test. I only took one. And I know guys do take dozens of police tests. I took one police test because I had an opportunity to take it and I got on. I had, I did, well, that's not true. I did have a hook. Um, but he was, he wasn't a, like, he knew it wasn't my lifelong goal, but once I got in the job, everything changed. Everything changed. I realized very quickly that this was something I was meant to do from the core of my soul. The problem was it got taken from me way too quick way too quick but that you know there's different reasons why people take the job i see a lot of apathy in it they look at strictly the dollar signs when you guys got on especially especially what was top pay i think top pay oh, when wow. i got on was sixty thousand. No. Uh, yeah you guys are you guys got i, I know maybe i know my starting five? my starting salary was twenty four thousand. my starting yeah. was 33 so, and then, five. And then you know we, you didn't get in for the money at that point right. maybe in the long run you knew you were going to be purchasing all your stuff too so yeah. you're in a hole already oh yeah the, the inner cities always make you do yeah. that i mean so yeah. the academy itself is going to cost you that's a good point to get into like some of these inner city departments i know patterson was starting their their cops off at like nineteen thousand. I used to live across the hall when I was living in an apartment with a guy who just got on Patterson. Nineteen thousand. They had to buy everything. They even had to buy their gun. Yeah, there's certain departments that make you buy your own gun. They'll we, give you, we they'll give you like certain. three or four guns that you can buy. Yeah, and then you have to go buy your own. Yeah, gun. we used to envy the guys up in the academy. <laughs> yeah, they just pay for this. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah. great. <laughs> I don't think I could have done it if, if my department didn't pay because you're talking five grand, and if you go alternate route, it's even more. That's when I started my account. My my department bought me everything. Yeah, yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Everything. <laughs> I was, I, yeah. 
They we wouldn't even buy our hat badges and everything. They, they, they bought me so much, I didn't even have to steal ammunition from the range. <laughs> yeah, but when you guys started, wasn't it like black powder? Well, how do you think we're going to pay for it? I mean, what the- so it, it's, it's, you don't, when, when, even when I got on, I know $60,000 sounds like a lot of money, and you would be, you knew you were going to be okay. You were never going to be rich. And now the salaries are, are incredible. Yeah, like but this, nobody gets into law enforcement to be rich. I think no. nowadays, but you're not going to be rich, you know. Yeah, especially yeah. especially in this area, living in this area, and and raising a family in this area. Yeah, you know, if you told me when I was a kid you're going to make one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, I thought I'd be a millionaire. Oh yeah, I mean, making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you're living almost paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, in New Jersey, in New Jersey. So for everybody who doesn't realize, police officers in New Jersey were a little bit different than the rest of the world. We're we're not a right to work state. We are a union state. And the salaries can get very high. But what people got to realize is living in New Jersey is incredibly expensive. So we're a little different than the rest of the world. This is this should be the suffering of New Jersey police because we, that's all we know. I know, you know, places in, in the South, they get paid not even half of what New Jersey gets paid. But it also is half the cost of living. So it all sort of evens out in the wash. But you knew – Taking the job that you were you were gonna ha- you were gonna be able to make a living, you're gonna be able to support a family, you were gonna be able to support the things that you wanted to do. But now, uh, again, I, I I'm gonna I see it, I see it. Some of these guys are getting paid so well, and I, I don't I don't know whether that's the same zest is there for everybody like it was when I got well, it. Isn't it almost like a, a professional sports player? Mm-hmm. You know, how many guys you see they I sign that big contract. That. And they don't do they don't do shit after, yeah. You know, because now they got the money. I mean, look at some of these basketball players. Uh, you know, one guy. I'm not going to play. You know, I'm, I'm going to sit out because I'm I'm having mental issues. Now, mental issues we all know are, are you know every cop. A, goes a, a key, we, we shouldn't yeah. have went to work every single day. Yeah, it, it's funny because I, I was just <laughs> I was just watching like this past basketball season. There's guys that are just saying like, you know, well, I'm not going to play this week. Yeah. What, what if you called your chief and said, nah, I'm not going to come in today. You imagine if Dr. J or Will Chamberlain said that. Yeah, no but to bring, you, to, to bring your point home, Mike, you might have appreciated the job a lot more because you had to go through the suffering. You appreciated it at the lowest levels as a purpose. And yes, as, by the time you retired, by the time, Mike, you retired, it, things were different. Things were different. Fair, fair. The salaries were better. You got a, a better living wage. Um but you didn't get into it for that. These kids now know, hey, listen, and their steps are, I understand they've increased in steps and now they got to do 30 years, the new guys. By the time you hit top step, you got like a year left to retire yeah, these days. Yeah, it's like 15. Yeah. I think the average is 12. We, I was four, four steps to top pay. I was seven. So we did have it a little bit easier in that regards, but we weren't making as much well, money. I almost got the top pay with my first department. I transferred out about a year before I was going to get the top pay. But it was all relative. So I, I though. built myself up, mm-hmm. then I transferred out. I had to build myself up again. I, it was all relative. So I had an old lieutenant, and he had retired, and I knew him. So we're, we're talking and stuff, and he was complaining about the high salaries of police. And I think I, at the time, I had just bought a house. My house was, I think, four hundred thousand dollars. And he goes, "Yeah, when I started, I was making, uh, I was making eight thousand dollars a year." And I said, well, you know, not, not, no disrespect to meanness, but what'd you pay for your house? Yeah. You bought your house for 20,000. He goes, yeah, I paid 24. Exactly. It was 24,000 for his house. I said, okay, so if you don't spend anything, anything in three years, you can pay off your house. I'm making $65,000 at the time. I bought a $400,000 house. It's going to take me Mm -hmm. a lot longer than you to buy that. So it was all relative. And again, with the new cops, I have to give them the, the credit on this one too. The houses are more expensive. So yes, it's going to take them longer to pay off their house, but that that's just one of the reasons that I see, and I see that in current police society now that less of a a purpose driven job and and more of a hey, listen, I'm going to get paid a lot. Of right, money. it's it's that's a money exactly driven job. You know, like you said, you you get these kids that are coming out of college. This is their first job. They're not making much money, but they're working all these construction details, these road jobs. Yeah, they they're getting ninety dollars an hour. Yep, you know, and they're killing it every day off. These guys are working every day. Now there's a, there's a term there's two terms here I want to define real quick. It's rookie and veteran. I never liked the term rookie. I always took offense to the term rookie or new officer. You just don't have enough street experience, but you have more book smarts than I do. 
So I never called a kid like it's that's that to me that was just the the word that I never used. But we'll, for this purpose, we'll call him a rookie. The differences between a rookie and a veteran, Mike. What do you, what do you think the telltale aside from experience? Because that's a given. Aside from the shiny shoes and the, you know the polished brass, <laughs> squeaky and, you know, leather, yeah, squeaky leather, four hundred little things on the belt, <laughs> and the and the P, and the PR twenty four. Yeah. Yeah. So they they've never done anything in a career, and they already have like the the, the citation bars. <laughs> on. So a, a PR twenty four, you guys are well aware. Of. No cop ever carried their PR twenty four. Nobody did. PR twenty four is the the baton with the handle on it. For people who want to know. And I remember, <laughs> so I never put mine on. I can honestly say that. But a couple guys came out of the academy and they're coming with a PR24. <laughs> I remember taking it out of his belt. I'm like, and I threw it in the woods. <laughs> I go, get this fucking thing out of here, man. Dude, we had a lot of fun in the academy with PR24. <laughs> we had to keep them under the table on our, you know, at our, we, they, they weren't desks. They were just tables. And we used to put them, we had to put them there. And once one of them hit the ground, Forget it's it. dropping a weapon. So you had to do 25 push-ups. So you'd see a guy like falling asleep in front of you. You'd pull your chair back and hit your PR 24 and hit the ground. <laughs> Guy's got to wake up do 25 push-ups. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. What was the most fun you ever had in the academy as a rookie? Uh, you go with that rookie again. As a new guy. I'm, I'm in the guy. academy? I'm gonna, I told you, for the purposes of this, I'm going to use the term rookie. Any, any, or, or first out on the road or, or in the academy. Academy, listen, the academy is a hanging out part. <laughs> Going out for drinks. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Let, let me preface it by saying I went to the academy with Mike DeBalma. So. Yeah. No, you know what? I kind of got obsessed with that truck guy. Did you get Still to this day? It, it drove me crazy. And, what, the, the Roach coach? Roach and I used to love Nikki Burke's reaction. I'm, I'm telling you, you don't understand. Go to the fucking academy the, with a Roach coach. Listen to me. There was a different price for the same thing every single day. Uh, give me 380 And I'm like, that it was 275 yesterday. To, the hard boiled egg, a banana, and, and, and a water. Like, huh? A How is this? A water. A water? Oh, a water. <laughs> I'm like, this is... So Nicky one day just, he got really upset. He goes, this is bull. This is bullshit. I can't take it no more. And I was like, we got obsessed with this guy. <laughs> so I, I actually had the opportunity to meet Nicky. He's Burke. probably still there. I, uh, yeah, he is. I actually had the opportunity of recently meeting Nicky. Oh, Burke, he's a great guy. And I said, I can't imagine you guys in a fucking academy together. <laughs> Jesus. Was I, I was a squad leader and Nicky was on my squad. Oh. <sighs> So whenever he got in trouble, shit rolled uphill, and I got in trouble. <laughs> the one time, he didn't he didn't have his uniforms tailored, right? and on the Friday before we're they're releasing us for the weekend, the training advisor comes up to him and says, "Burke, I want those uniforms tailored by Monday morning." He just looks at him and goes, "No problem, sir." <laughs> so, the instructor lit into him no problem sir i'd rather you say okie dokie sir Get oh, those remember that. who the fuck is your your squad leader and sir, then you get filet, sir filet's getting my office right now i'm like motherfucking nicky burke <laughs> one of my greatest joys i was a squad leader i was squad four. i can remember it very clear i was squad four and one of my greatest joys is is my drill was a guy named jimmy marinara and I didn't realize Jimmy the value. Marinara. Yeah, I didn't it's from re- Hoboken. I, think, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize the value of Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy was a force recon marine. Like he was, he looked like Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. Green, like red hair, green teeth, yeah, yeah. smoked like a chimney, but still run a five minute mile. Could stay in the lean yeah. and rest for days. And he was a little guy, right? He's about this tall, and he talked with a stutter. Serious as a heart attack. It was hard not to laugh at him. He was so serious. But I used to have to follow him for inspection, and my stomach is always fucked up in the academy. So I would I would follow him for inspection. I'd get in front of somebody and I'd fart, <laughs> and I they'd have to stand there. I had a captive audience. They had to smell it. It was one of my greatest that's, joys. That's so that's so torturing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at him, and I'm and you my, can't even move. You see like, their lips oh. curling. <laughs> Because again, it, it, I learned very early on that you can't take this shit too seriously. It'll eat you alive. And they knew it. Listen, they cat. It's all a game in the academy. We all know that. It's break you down, build you up. Um, paramilitary. Paramilitary. I remember the first day I show up at the academy, and the the guy, the instructor, who knew me through other people. I didn't know him. And he says, "Donaldson, you don't belong here." I was like, "Okay." I turn. I start turning my car around. I'm like, "I guess I wasn't on the list. I guess I got <laughs> fired before anything." And he goes, "No, no, no. Get back. Get back here." I honestly thought I w- I didn't belong. 
He was right, though. He was right. He was right. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Throw that fucking softball right up for you. Oh, God. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of different problems with police today. The current co- climate of police is very toxic. Uh, bad press. We all get judged by our lowest common denominator, and it seems police today – like, I'm thankful I'm retired with what's going on today. I'm so thankful. I'm not – this isn't a political debate, but we get judged by this one asshole in Minnesota. All of a sudden, all police are bad. But what do you think are some of the other problems that face police today? Social media. Social media? You think they get in a lot of trouble with that? Definitely. Social media, cameras, and not that I'm saying, you know, things were illegal when, you know, they weren't around. It's just, you know, it's the eyes are on them all the time, no matter where you turn. Oh, you're talking about citizens against them. I thought cops posting stupid shit on social media. That's another thing, too. Social media. I mean, there's, there's a million ways you can go with social media. Yeah. You know, I, I used to, there was, back in the days of the flip phone cameras, that's how you knew it was a good accident because all the troopers would be out there on the highway with their cameras out, taking pictures of it. Yeah. You, I, somebody told me you can't even do that anymore. There, there's a, there's actually a, a memo put out, you are not to take any pictures. I, I Rightfully so. Yeah. You know, you're seeing so. people in their worst, you know, their, their, their worst state. And last thing you want to do is have someone take a picture of me like that. I mean, I used to have my mm. camera out because you get a car fire. And, you know, with a car fire, the tires will explode. But everybody thinks it's a gas tank. And I used to get the newer officers out there on a car fire. And I'd always have my cell phone back here waiting for the tire to explode, watching them shit their pants. <laughs> <laughs> but the optics on police are so bad now. They're so bad. And how do we, I, don't, I don't understand how we got so far from us being saviors to being the bad guy all of a sudden. Always the bad guy. Well, like you said, it's the lowest common denominator. You know, it, it, for some reason, people want to hate cops now. I don't know if it's, like you said, it's because of the, the salary or if you want to call it prestige of being a cop. Um, they, they just, it's like this, this just hate for cops. and I, I just don't understand it. Until they need us. Exactly. Until they yep. need us. Once they need us, all of a sudden, we're, we're pretty damn important. But do you, do you ever think it's going to come back? The love for police? Or you think it's gone forever? It's got to rebound sometime. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what what are you going to do? Have a lawless society then? You know, just let criminals run rampant. I mean, I know they're letting them do it now. When's someone going to finally step up and say, we can't have this anymore? Well, I did see something recently and it's encouraging to me. So I got, I got some friends, I got a lot of friends that are still on and, and he alerted to me to this and then I read it. So the new attorney general, the old attorney general did not like police. And he put this pursuit policy in place where you don't chase for anything, yeah. nothing. And when I, when I came up, it was – you ran from the police. It was a second-degree crime, which was something you could chase for. So, you know, it doesn't matter what you pulled them over right. for. They committed a second-degree crime. Um, so he puts this pursuit policy out where you don't pursue for anything. You see a lot of police departments getting solely SUVs and no, never any Crown Vicks like we had. Uh, but this new guy that came in. He changed the pursuit policy, so it's changing a little bit. It's it's a step. It's something. It's something. But what else do you think needs to change in order to get that back? I mean, God, they got the, they got the body cams on. They can't even shut them off when they go take a leak. The, there's not much being shown or said when police officers do real good. Yeah, Th- that's what you it know, is. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. It, you know, you see a police officer, you know, something goes wrong and it's just plastered. All over everywhere, social media. Because or, that's what sells papers. Right, that's right. clickbait. That's, you know, right. nobody wants to see the cop that saved the baby. Right. They all want to see the cop that stepped on his dick one day and got himself in trouble. Right. They, you know, they don't like, you know, the first, say, 15 minutes, they don't want to show that. You know, they don't want to show, you know, what goes on prior to, you know, whatever an action is. And it's the same thing. Like, it, it's, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, it's, it wasn't an easy job. Well, it's, you know, mentally, we saw, we saw, we all saw that in the Rodney King video. So we're going to say that. So right. Rodney King, Rodney King video, uh, some of our listeners are rather young and they don't know who about the Rodney King video. Rodney King was a known criminal and had a bad drug problem. He's, he's, he takes the officers on a high speed pursuit to a residential neighborhood doing about 90 miles an hour. The guy's high as hell on PCP. Um, and they catch him. 
and it was and somebody crashed though, right? I don't know. They t- they tell him to yeah. get out, and they they keep they're giving him direction. <clears throat> they keep telling him get down, get down, get down, stop. But he keeps moving forward. He keeps moving forward. The cops are amped up from the chase, and did they take a couple bonus shots on him with their PR twenty fours? Absolutely, absolutely, and they should pay the price for that. But they, but you pl- understand why they did it. They did it because their lives were just put at risk, and they're pissed off. Um, in that video, I've seen the entire video. You see the officers giving him direction, and you sort of understand why. Even when they're hitting him, he's not going down. He's not totally stopping. So they they go until the threat stops. Um, that was a huge PR nightmare, and the police did some. I guess nine eleven had a lot to do with the resurgence of the attitude towards police. But you know, and. and- for as as tragic as nine eleven was, there was never such a love for law enforcement and military back then. Yeah, I mean, people were was, just coming up to you and thanking you. you it was know, incredible. I mean, yeah, it was unbelievable. Because back then. people got a glimpse of what lawless society looks like. Yeah, they got a glimpse of it. Thankfully, and people got a glimpse of what cops go through. I mean, listen, it wasn't us there. It was you know Port Authority. It was NYPD and all that. You know. And the FBI and CIA and everybody else that was in there digging and, you know, and, and the, the gruesome pictures of 9-11, I think that it just endeared people towards towards law enforcement at that point. The unity amongst our own troops, because please, let's face it, we're crabs in a barrel. You know, one tries to climb out, the other ones try to pull them back down. And even the unity amongst police themselves, it's a very undercutting profession. We, we all were brothers at that and sisters at that point. And we've gotten far away from that. I think, again, you know, once somebody – I said this for years, that the attitude p- towards police is going to change due to an unfortunate accident. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope an unfortunate accident doesn't uh, – or act doesn't happen. But I think that's the only thing that's going to take it back to getting that problem resolved with the way police are viewed. But then there's another problem, and I want to bring this both up because you're the big fucking offender of this, is the administration. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. So once, <laughs> you, once you got above- Offender of administration. So <laughs> one, once you got above sergeant stripes, you are now an administrator. You yeah. are now a superior. You're no longer a supervisor. <laughs> See, not necessarily in my role, though. As a patrol lieutenant. Patrol lieutenant, your job is the same thing as the sergeant. I heard you were morale gear. You know what that is. What's morale gear in the military? Something to make you happy. That was. Oh, oh yeah. I'm like, what the? Yeah, See, he's mor- he's you're trying gear. to get me pinched again. You're asking me these questions. Like, you <laughs> put no, me on a spot. <laughs> I, I, I dealt with this. It wasn't on the list. <laughs> yeah. It's not on the list. I don't even have the list here. You're <laughs> the re- trying to get me again. I'm not picking on you specifically because I, I, and not to, not to sit there and give you a hard on or anything, but I did hear very, very good things about working underneath you. Well, but you don't, that, that's, that is true. That, it, the, the thing that's is, not the, that's not the norm. No, it's, it's not the norm because when I got promoted, I took it very, I took it seriously and I took it very personally. You know, a lot of people that got, a lot of people had to get me, you know, a lot of people had to do some behind the scenes work to get me promoted. And I never wanted to let anybody down. And I always told the guys that were working under me, I'm not going to, I'm not the type of guy that's going to bark out orders. I'm not going to say, go do this, go do that, go do this. The way I gained their respect, I said, let's go do this. You know, Mm. I'm a get your hands dirty kind of guy. I'm not going to send my guys in to fight if I'm not going to fight with them. You know, and, and that's the way I got guys respect. And like I said, being a lieutenant, in my department, when you're a patrol lieutenant, it's really the same thing as a patrol, patrol sergeant. Because if that lieutenant takes off that day, the sergeant's in charge of the shift anyway. Right. So you're, you know, you're not an administrative lieutenant. That's where, like you said, the administration part comes in. Now, okay. I was, I was a regular field guy. But this, this is something that everybody can relate to across the board because I work for a lot of good bosses, a lot of bad bosses, inside police work and outside police work. And the best way I can drive this one home is, so I coach football. And I gave the ref a little crap and the ref gave me a lot of crap because he had the power to do so. That elevated my players to play harder, to play harder because they knew that I was getting scrutiny from, from the ref. 
when they started doing that, I was like, wow, you know what? I did my job. And I have to imagine, I never made rank. I have to imagine that it's probably the same feeling that when your guys work for you because you're looking out for them, not over them, that that's what, that's, that's what the job's about. Was that true? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. I mean, you got to lead. You know, it's, it's a good point. I, I, I can actually give a lot of credit to the way we came up in policing the what we call old timers. Yeah. Dinosaurs old timers. Right. And and you know what? I think that that carried on into my career. I could I could pretty much remember tons of things they used to say to me. It's instilled in me. You know what I mean? And I guess that's I guess it's the way you come on, you know. You know, you you live and learn from the good and the bad supervisors that you had coming up through right. You know. I probably you know, learned more from the bad ones. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you got a guy. Like I said, he's a he's a go do this guy. Go do this. Go do that. Go do this. I mean, we had one. We working a midnight shift, and it was had to be about five o'clock in the morning. Linhurst isn't big, but my post was all the way on the other side of town. Sergeant at the time calls me over the radio and says, uh, "Come back up into town, and I want you to." Someone called in and said that sequence of light, you know, the red light is out. The sequence is out. So could you come up here and check the sequence of the light? All right, no problem. I go up there. As soon as I pull up, that sergeant was sitting right there. As I pulled up, he pulled away. Yeah. Too fucking lazy to even sit there and check a sequence of a light. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ. I yeah, mean, what I, you like what you I know. Well, I mean, what I'm, you yeah. said, you gotta you gotta show. You gotta if you're I mean, as a you know, same thing with the military. You know, you, you you gotta you can't just sit back and say, "All right, you guys go into this building and you, that's, you, you gotta do it. Yeah, you gotta go and do point. it." Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta not don't, people respect you, and if you don't do it, they're not gonna respect you. It's don't do as I say and not as I do right. type of do as I do, not as a you know that that's you live by example on those things because I worked for some really really bad bosses, and I think a lot of that comes from they didn't really work up through the ranks the proper way. They never they didn't do all those jobs. So when they got that power, they became very jealous. If you showed talent for an area that they didn't have or they wanted something, I know the bosses that we had a guy who was in a shooting. And Roseland didn't have a whole lot of shootings, but we had a guy who was in a shooting in another department, and the boss hated him for it because he had never been in a shooting. I sw- I'm not kidding you. It's, I, it's, I believe. It's well, but you, I mean, it's it's really a cutthroat business. There's a lot of lot of jealousy that goes on in, in law enforcement. Mm. You know, it, it's it's not what what you get. It's what they're not getting. So they hold that against you. The funny thing about <laughs> all of this stuff that we're talking about is we didn't mention the hard part of the job or the the, the suffering of the job as being the criminals. Yeah, they were re- they were doing their job. We were doing ours. And that's so it's and, and that's where respect came. Yeah. As well. I know it sounds strange, but yeah. you know, it that that was the factor in an arrest or whether you're gonna get a, a whooping or not, like you know, from a criminal. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Not by us. I'm just saying they respect you for that. You know what I mean? I used to you know, I, you know, and I used to get in there's trouble. cops that they'll throw down because they don't respect, they're gonna they're gonna go after them. I right. used to get in trouble back when I was married. <laughs> Well, that's a they, different problem yeah. with police. They used, to, oh. yeah, they used to say, oh. I used to get told I treat criminals on the street better than I treat people in my own house. And I said, there, there is some kind of theory behind that because you almost have to befriend that criminal. You know what I'm saying? You, mm. in order, good. Now you got to go to see him every day. You got to go through the whole processing. You get, you know, you got to either send the guy to jail or something. If you've got a guy that's combative and you try to fingerprint him, it's never, yeah. never going to happen. You know, so you had to talk to the guy, act, treat him like he's a gentleman or, or treat the female, you know, the right way. And so you had to treat him nice. I mean, I'd be joking with them. Yeah. I mean, time did try I say every it? which way possible? Hey, bro, you hungry? You know, I'll send the kid up to Burger King for yeah. you. And not in Hoboken. They got what? Grilled cheese and mud? No. <laughs> 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 they got the diners. Actually, just knocked one down too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, oh, next time we go to... Next time I go to Hoboken, remember, where is that place? Oh, it's, it's right, right by Biggie's. Yeah, it's right by Biggie's or Wendy's, wherever it is. It's a Hoboken, a, it's a Hoboken <laughs> direction. All right. A Hoboken direction is they're going to tell you a place that has been gone for 20 years. Yeah, it's right we next door. We just expect you to understand. That's it. Hold on. Let me hey, get Hey, Kevin, just go down a block. Just pass that that's, up and that's it. You see the gate there? Page 20 of the De Palma Dictionary. 
<laughs> but the, you know, the police, one of the things that the public doesn't realize is, is we're human beings and we see a lot of problems and a lot of people at their worst. There's a lot of damaging calls and it weighs on us. What do you think, Mike, Mike De Palma, we'll start with you here. What do you think some of the most damaging calls to your emotional psyche that you've ever seen? Anything with a child. Pediatric. Yeah. How many did you have in your career? Probably about three, three or four. Now, here's the big question. When you had those calls, did you have children? At the time, no. See, that was mine. I had pediatric and I didn't have children, thankfully. Yeah, at the time. And, and, and I mean, there's there's so many of them. Yeah. You know, I mean. I mean, you're talking, you, you run the range from domestics where somebody just got the snot beat out of them or pediatric or end of life where there's zero dignity. Hmm. You know, they, they, people don't realize that everybody thinks they, you, you they die, die like, on the toilet. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. There's something, it, it's, it's, when I drive through Hoboken now, you know, I try to remember playing wiffle ball or, you know, stick ball or this and that, like. I'll go through Hoboken now, like, oh man, look at that building. That woman jumped off it. It's like, everywhere I go. Oh, that that guy shot himself in that in that place. Oh, this guy. I'm like, what the, f-? Yeah. you know? And, and and it's it's you know if you think about it, it's not great. No, you take it home. You know, that's you. how that's how I remember. Oh man, this guy just jumped off that building. Oh, I went to take the pit. This girl just blew her head off. I'm like, holy shit. You, you- what happened to the wiffle ball? What happened to the you know? Kick the can and it's gone. Yeah. Now now it turns into, remember that place we used to play wiffle ball in the street? You know, <laughs> yeah. That's where the girl killed herself. Yeah. You know? I'm now, like, wow. You relate it to crimes and, and just like nasty scenes that you've been to. And it, it's, yeah. the, it's the visual. It's the visual. Mike, what do you think? What do you think the most emotionally damaging calls to go on are? Well, like Especially you said, for you personally. Pediatrics are, are, are big. Um, you never want that. Um, thank God in my career, I never had a... a, a a pediatric death, but some of the hardest things for me were like doing CPR in front of family members. Uh, mm-hmm. and that to me was terrible. I mean, we, we had one where a guy was having a heart attack. He was laying on his bed. We had to pull him off the bed, put him on the floor doing CPR. on him, and I'll never forget it. His, you can't do CPR on a bed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. His, his daughter, she had to be about eight or nine years old. She was on the bed like this, just looking at us. She goes, is my daddy going to die? Mm. And it was, you know. And you being the heartless son of a bitch, you did. Yep. <laughs> Dead already. No. <laughs> no, you know no, what? You, you, you just know, say. What, what do you say? You jump right. We're doing everything we can. Yeah. yeah. You fall back into that routine. <coughs> you gave me the COVID, didn't you? Oh, me? No. <coughs> no. Stop this. I got no. my temperature thing done. I, I've had, uh, I've had Rectally. some pediatrics. <laughs> Pediatrics are always very dangerous to deal with because you gotta you gotta go home after that. And yeah. if you have kids, the rule is, or the, what you're always told is, you will superimpose your children's superimpose. Right, right, put right. some over top. I got, it. I okay. got it. Just you don't think uh, I write this stuff I'm down tra- when I go I'm translating? Home? He so, was on the show once or twice where he wrote yeah, a lot of on, stuff yeah. down. Yeah. Can you hear like the vo- like everything is smooth? Now. It is smooth. I'm, I'm serious. Clear. You don't even have to fill in my phrases anymore. <laughs> so you superimpose <laughs> your child's face onto a lost pediatric chi- uh, death. But um, I remember, I think the toughest ones for me is is when just the the end of life, no dignity. You know, you go to some some old person's house to render medical aid. They call 911 and you're there. And you, this old guy's got his balls hanging out or a woman's vagina's hanging out or boobs are out, you know, their teeth are on the ground. They got no hair. They're just, there's, there's tons of people around them seeing them at their worst. And Mm -hmm. I know, I know for a fact, without you guys ever telling me this, you've walked out of medical calls going, talking to your partner or whoever you're with, don't ever let me get like that. Just take me in the woods, put two behind you. We've all said it. We've all said it. And it sounds very harsh for people to say, for us to say that, especially when, when we're in those situations, but I, I, I know I don't want to do that. I don't want to die. But the normal that. person doesn't see that every day in no. law enforcement and, you know, EMS field, especially, you know, we see that on a daily basis. You know, we, we see people when they're at their worst and how do you, how do you separate 
seeing someone at their worst, especially coming from a small town, is someone you know. Yeah, that was that's a. Before we get into the most rewarding calls, I want to remind all our audience one of our one of our biggest supporters is the Grand Saloon in Clifton. Uh, go out there and visit them. Nick will take really good care. You go to nine forty Van Houten Avenue in Clifton. Your great food, great fun. They're just going the Grand Saloon.com. That's G R A N D E saloon.com take a look at their menu i'm telling you it's going to be one of the most happy friendly places you're going to be great food good people and you're going to have a great time i have to hold on i got to reverse back i kind of misunderstood that question about pediatrics I, I didn't have i just thought it was you know something else i mean i've had cases with pediatric you know no no deaths but you you just brought up um something and it was i was doing cpr to my own father Oh, and you brought yeah. up the thing about the bed. Like, so that, honestly, I, I have to say, I wasn't even, a, I was home. I wasn't on duty. Obviously, we're always on duty. But that probably was probably one of the most impactful things in my career. Like, it, in, and just like you said, I could, I was by myself. You know, listen, you know, I knew he passed. He was young. But that had to be, if I go back, that had to be one of the worst working things. On a, working on a family member, you know what? That's a, that's a different wrinkle. I, 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 and I then you're like, yeah, you, you're like, you know, I was, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was an instructor and you, you, the guilt, like it was just, you know, but, you know, I didn't, that's why you, throughout your career, you don't, you know, you do as best as you could, you know, because you know, something like that could happen to your own. You know what I mean? So you treat everybody just like family. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because they're going to respect you for it. Right, right. You're going to give a little bit of compassion at the end of life because we're all going to get there, brother. Right, right, right. We all got an expiration date. The other thing, too, is what about that helpless feeling when you lost someone when you're doing CPR? Yeah, you walk out, put your head in your hands, and you you feel like a loser, you know, walking out past the family. You know, I mean, we obviously did everything we do can't look at them you're sweating like crazy your uniform's all disheveled because you're jump. you know your bag valve mask and pumping on a chest and switching up and everybody's you know. but you get that feeling like what just happened you, it's, you know? your soul is gone yeah and now now you got to suck that in because you got another call to go through right after that you know right, and yeah. how, do you, how do you leave that cpr call and just act like nothing happened. And go on to the next call. It's it sucks to to deal with those, but it is part of the job. I, we we all understand that it's part of a job. Doesn't mean we got to like it. Doesn't mean we got to move past it because we do take that stuff home. But there were some great calls that we all went on. There were some really really great calls. Some rewarding calls. Mike, what do you think the most rewarding call type of call that you you could go on? <laughs> I, you know, from what I've heard, I've never seen it, but a childbirth, apparently very sloppy, but rewarding. I don't quality. know, man. I, I, I've been there and I started seeing it coming out and I was just like, that's not natural, man. But, but to me, pretty much the most rewarding were, were CPR saves. Mm. You know, you, when you, when it paramedics tell you, Hey, we got a pulse back, you know, now you're sitting there all that hard work finally coming to fruition and, and now you're like you know you walked out of there like i said when you lose a cpr patient you, you walk out there you're you know slumped over and you know hanging your head and when you hear that you got you know they got a pulse back and now you you get some pep in your step you now you're helping them with the stretcher you get if you're upstairs you get the reeves and you're, you're run down the stairs and all that there's so many losses. It's nice to have a victory. Oh yeah, yeah. Once, yeah. listen. I used to call myself the defibrillator of death because I lost shock. more people than than I could even count. Those fucking defibrillators don't work. I always said I said I should just hook the defibrillator up to the guy's balls and give him one last fucking jolt because I ain't saving him. You know, I, I was. Listen, I'm not saying I was terrible at it, but you, in order to use the defibrillator, you have. To, I mean, there's a certain time frame where you have to be there. I mean, you can't, the guy can't be dead for 24 hours and all of a sudden you end up with a defibrillator. It's not a, a magic box. Uh, we found the child that was missing. It's a three-year-old. We found, he, he just wandered off. He's in the woods. But I had kids at the time. And I remember I, I, I found him in the woods. He, was, he just wandered off. It wasn't the parents' fault. It, wasn't, it was just bad timing. And I remember getting this kid, bringing him back, handing him off to the parents. I watched the parents give him this gigantic hug. 
And I remember standing there and I actually put, you know, how you put your hands on your gun and your radio. And I, I felt like Superman. I really felt like Superman. Mike, what do you think? Um, I mean, obviously both of what you were talking about. I mean, that's everybody's, I think it's everybody police, police officer's dream, you know, like, Hey, I did this. I, I would say, you know, mine was in the investigative bureau, you know, just getting through months and months and months of a case. And then you finally, you're solving that puzzle. Yeah. You know, I mean, and when that's finally that's, cracked that case. I, I know it's, it's like, like, you know, obviously everything like, you know, what you're talking about, you know, is, is fantastic, but it's, you know, I guess it's like work. And the most thing is appreciation. You know, believe it or not. Like, Hey, you know, we're all retired now. So what do you think? Um, what do you still love about the job? The camaraderie, you know, I, it, it definitely faded away. You know, I, I love that part. I mean, it's, I don't know. It there's not, it's just not the way it used to be, you know? So I, I don't, you well, know, the big saying is once you retire, you miss the clowns, but you don't miss the circus. Right. You know, and that's it. I miss the guys. I miss the yeah. camaraderie. Um, I miss the, the ability to actually be able to help people. True. You know, but on another note on that one, Mike, I'm going to have to call bullshit because what we're doing here with this show and that's our purpose is to help people. Well, I'm talking to helping from a law enforcement perspective, you know, I help people. You don't, you just make them feel better about the way they look. Yeah. And I make them feel taller when I get them to <laughs> and younger and younger and a lot more hair. Once again, the oldest guy in the room. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, we got a kids, we, kids, big Ben parliament. We, we actually got a, we actually got a world war two vet coming in who was in Normandy. Really? Finally, Mike won't be the oldest man in the room by like a year or wow, two. Normandy, yeah, yeah, that's kind of couple amazing. Years. Yeah, a couple years, but that's that's our that's our plan. But again, did I, did I ever tell you I want to be an air traffic controller? <laughs> they say that that's the most stressful it job is. out there, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But the uh, no, there was a whole story about us flying out to Florida, and we just kept going around Newark Airport because we couldn't find parking. The whole yeah, it was a whole thing. It was it was like Big Ben Parliament from European Vacation. <laughs> it goes by the first time. Hey, ever tell you I want to be an aircraft controller? Second time, same thing. Fifth time, same thing. See, that's stress. Yeah, but they, yeah, they try driving with Kevin around an airport fifty-two times. I that's mean, stress. We got there. Yeah, we got there. Listen, I'm early to everything, so thankfully, this is why I'm early to everything. But the, you know, I love that job. I really did love that job. And there's a lot of things that I don't miss about it. I don't miss. Again, I worked in a very toxic environment, so I would throw up before I went on patrol. But once I was out in the road, everything was fine. It was calm. I was the I was the master of my own domain where I was able to to either make a difference or do nothing. What I miss the most, and this is gonna sound really crazy, is I miss doing accidents. <laughs> I love doing it. Doing, oh my god. I loved doing car accidents. Loved it. I love oh the math my. involved. I love the I love to see what happens. That's, I, something Mike, wrong. Mike, now you know what I'm dealing what? with. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was I was that guy who loved doing accidents. Oh my goodness. As a matter of fact, I made a deal with That's the scariest thing for I me. I made a deal <laughs> with kind of dispatch. I made a guy I made a deal with a guy I used to work on the road. He used to be in the DB. He used to do a lot of DVs. I say, you take all the domestic paperwork. I will take every accident. You know I'm getting the short end of that stick. That's how much I hated domestic violence, but that's also how much I loved doing accidents. Because I loved wow. you're, you're showing up to people and they're they're in the worst they're they're having the worst moment of that day, oh, I get it. and you get to show up there. Look, it's going to be okay. You take control of the situation. It's very easy to take control of an accident. It's not very easy to take control of a domestic situation or any other situation where a crime in progress or somebody's really hurting or a medical call where you lose them. But for an accident, it was real easy for me to take control and give them a little bit of happiness, a little bit of peace. And I loved doing it. I loved the math involved in it. I loved the energy that was created. I loved, I was a, I was a crash guy. That was my favorite thing. And I also loved seeing what happens, the aftermath of it, following it all the way through. I imagine it's the same thing in the detective bureau. Again, I didn't have knee pads, so I didn't get in my detective bureau. And like both of you guys, I don't want to point that out. But I got put in the detective bureau. I was in Iraq, so I don't know how that happened. I don't because <laughs> I didn't think you were coming back. Exactly. I was like, like oh, this guy a bone. Hey, he just got, I was he like, wow, back. that's kind of great. 
<laughs> Meanwhile, I got to call my I swear I got to call my sailor for. I'm like, oh shit, we're getting mortared right now. And this guy's telling me I'm going into the bureau. I'm like, what the? What fuck? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I said, hold on, let me, let chief, me just. I can't chief, wait. Hang on, keep firing, <laughs> keep firing. All right, what no, was that? It was, it was all meant good, you know. I guess <laughs> they didn't know what was going on at the specific time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a badge is going to stop that. But that that's uh that's a weird way to find. I swear, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm telling I think maybe they didn't think you're you should back. know by now my my story. This is serious stuff. Every and every once in a while you throw something new out and you I'm like, "Fuck, man, yeah. you really messed up, yeah. dude." Well, that's like, did I ever tell you how I found out I got the job in Lynnhurst? On episode nine, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was working for the, the, the sheriff's department at that point, and I applied for Lynnhurst. And one day, I get a call from my then wife. She says, uh, "The mayor just called." No, what do you have to say? She goes, uh, "You got the job." <laughs> so what he did is he called my house phone and said, uh, "Is Mike there?" She said, uh, "No, he's he's working now." She goes. Okay, good. Tell him he's got the job in Linhurst. He starts next Monday. That's the way I found out I got the job in Linhurst. See, that's that's the hook. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that was the, that's hook. the hook to bring it home. <laughs> we've we've all seen a lot of different things. You guys were on a lot longer than I was. Not a lot longer, but longer. Uh, we've seen different things inside of our law enforcement careers, and you've you've learned a lot. Then, if you said you didn't learn a lot, then you weren't doing your job properly. So, Mike DePalma, what do you think you've learned from the suffering of? police work it's it wasn't as easy as i thought it would be meaning i could have took different steps with like you know mentally you know i i could have made better choices i i think that the main thing i learned is never take anything for granted never take another day for granted you never know when the end is going to be there okay you know it, you see, you, I mean, you know, you see a guy one day, he's all happy, go lucky. And the next day you're at his house, you know, doing CPR on him or he's in a car accident. And we, we had a guy that was from our town. He's a retired trooper. One of the biggest, burliest guys you'd ever, ever want to meet. Great guy, car fanatic. You know, he's always tinkering with his cars and everything. A little minor fender bender and snapped his neck. Mm-hmm. I was paralyzed from the, the shoulders down from Damn. just a minor car accident. Just he hit it the wrong way. His neck snapped and he was paralyzed. That was crazy. He has since passed away. God rest his soul. But I mean, great guy and happy go lucky, fun loving guy because he was retired. So he was fun loving. And, you know, his life just ended right there. Is it, do we have to go back to the Mickey Mouse? No. <laughs> No, I'm just I'm I'm taking that in that right now. God darn it! You know, that's like I guess complacency too. You know? He's still trying to think about what he learned in his career. Yeah, I'm like, what the wiffle ball, dead body, Jesus God, sock wonder, up wonder the ass. bread, sock up the ass. So if anybody wants get to me know, pinched. If anybody wants to know about the Mickey sock up Mouse. the ass, go to go to episode 13. Oh, that's the, the suffering of addiction with Mike De Palma. Oh, <laughs> I don't know this. I don't know. It's it's just it was. A loving career, but it was also damaging. That's a good one. That's how I kind of, you know, I can definitely contest to that. It's damaging. A lot self-imposed also. (laughs) Very very (laughs) much. It's very very simple what I learned. It's you're never as bad as your worst day, and you're never as good as your best day. I've seen a lot throughout my career, and I've seen good people turn bad. I've seen bad people turn good. And it always gave me hope for humanity. I know that sounds like the the greatest line made up in history, but I truly believe it because I've seen a lot of people throughout my life go both ways. Mike, he tried to go deep on us real quick. You know, uh, what do you mean? Trying to get all sentimental and look. He at just, I, I got to wind it up. That's the new. I don't know. I don't know. Why, that just came out. No, no, I got. No, it's 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 true. Mike De Palma. I love you, brother. Always a pleasure having you Wait, in I here. Don't wanna, I don't want to go. We have to. We have to. No way, man. The lights, the, the lights. This studio ain't in my way. basement oh, no more. On, I'm just getting started. <laughs> this is someone else's studio now. So. <laughs> this ain't my basement no more, brother. But I get, will guarantee we will have you back. <laughs> yes, we will definitely no have you back I'm if you'll s- if you're willing to come back. 100. I'm sleeping. You're, oh, you're sleeping here, yeah. Drew. Is that all right? We're good. 
All right. Yeah, he said it was all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Nothing worthwhile is easy. It's not a job. It's a calling. Never take anything for granted, but most importantly, and it's not only because I said it, well, it is because I said it. You're never as bad as your worst day, and you're never as good as your best day. You try to say he's about a self-promoter. And episode nine in Prairie Fire. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. Don't, be, don't forget to check out Belladama Cigars. Go to belladamacigars.com. Put in the, the code SUFFERING10 for a 10% discount. Check out Caffeine and Water, Toyota Hackensack, the Grand Saloon. We're all thankful for you. And don't forget to check out DenaDevelopmentProject.com and check out our nice challenge coins. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, the suffering of police officers with Mike DePalma, Mike Falace, and myself, Kevin Donaldson. Find Mike on Instagram at Mike underscore DePalace. Find me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And always follow the Suffering Podcast. Like and subscribe if you if you like what you're putting out. Follow our YouTube channel for updates. Uh, we'll be putting out about two or three episodes a week. And that's going to do it for this episode. We'll see you next time. Yeah.